and just you know and I I just beat myself up a little bit because I'm like gosh like why can't I get better like I'm doing this to myself and you know but it would just still keep you in that cycle of just like guilt and shame and just like you know not feeling worthy and all those things so that's an incredible story I couldn't imagine as a father you know as a parent watching my child go through this because I know how influential kids can be you talk about how close you are with your family um how you know growing up with that like how did you overcome and 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 get back to life and get back to you like god gave you the tragedies so that you could overcome it to then pass it on to you know the next mm-hmm. one that's going to suffer so like welcome to the maya stray mentality podcast where i get to interview some of the dopest individuals that i've met through this amazing journey of life individuals with the most amazing stories and plenty of lessons to share. Every single person though, we have one thing in common that has brought us together. We all have a love for boxing, but it's always been bigger than boxing. On that note, let's get into these stories. I ran up a check, I might do it again. Enemies close, have me thinking they're friends. Ten toes down, I'll be free into the end. Crib outside the city, I don't feel safe in my ass. Took so many years, I'm just waiting for the- Substance is the first word that comes to mind when I think about today's guests. One thing I love about coaching is the unique relationship I get to build with each client or fighter. No one connection is ever the same. I truly get to understand the dynamics of how one thinks and operates as I try to break down and rebuild technique and mindset. I first crossed paths with today's guest through the fitness industry. We worked at Rumble together. To give some context, the year was 2018, New York City, and we were rapidly growing. Training the next group of instructors that would open up the West Coast location in LA. Off the bat, this instructor caught your eye. Gorgeous a former L.A. Clippers dancer with a strong Australian accent and ambitious energy. But there was always more. A few years passed, and I had relocated back to the West Coast, and this Australian instructor reached back out to me, so we continued boxing training. We spent a lot of time training together through the last few years, staying connected as she overcame some incredibly challenging chapters in her life, still being challenged in different ways, but growing as an individual through it all. Through her trials and challenges, she has really shown how tough, gritty, and beautiful she is inside and out. Like I said from the start of this intro, substance. There is more than meets the eye. Grateful to have her share her story with us, my Aussie family, Courtney Watts. Welcome to My Estray Mentality. Wow. I just need to (laughs) applause that. I need to replay that every morning for like, you know, just... I'm your, hi- your number one that's, hype man. <laughs> that's amazing. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Well, truly, truly mean it all. I mean, I lo- like I said, we, the last few years, when I moved back for the uh, during the pandemic, I mean, you were the, one of the first people to reach out to me to train, and I was just getting my studio up and running. And, you know, we got close. We went through the ups and downs of that pandemic. Mm-hmm. My ups and downs, sure your ups and downs. Some some fun, exciting stuff. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to share your story on here. Yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, the, we we went through it all, the highs, the lows, yeah, in the Batcave from the yeah, very the early, Batcave, early um, days. You know, so so many so many good good great things and great lessons in here. Um, but but break mm-hmm. it down for for everyone. I always like starting off. You know, where you were born, um, how was growing up for you? Kind of understanding your roots and and obviously like you're from Australia, different culture um, than than I grew up in. So I love learning more a little bit more about that as well. So tell me tell me about that. So I was born in Sydney, Australia, and I grew up in a town called the Northern Beaches. Um, grew up with my mom, dad, and older brother, very, very tight knit family. Um, and I feel like we had like the quintessential Aussie life growing up. Like we were two minutes from the beach. We could see the ocean from my house and it's the same house that we have to this day. Like I grew up, I think I, we moved in when I was two, my parents built it when I was two years old. So we still have it. Um, and all those memories. And I think, yeah, we just spent like every day, long, lazy summer days at the beach, um, we would have like big family barbecues, Sunday family roast dinner. Like we're just all about family and just, yeah, summer and beach and 
um, that, sword as well. Like that's the life just, right there. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And I think I adopted, you know, a, health, a healthy lifestyle from that young age. Cause in my area, we do have a very healthy, active lifestyle. Like you wake up at 6am, everyone's on the beach, like either watching the sunrise, working out, coffee shops are buzzing even from 6am. So wow. it's just, it's a really cool culture. Like even in winter, you would go to the beach. Like I'd still have beach days in the winter. You know, we get cold weather, but it's not like, it's like LA cold, not as cold as, yeah. you know, yeah. the East Coast. So you're living the dream. I mean, that, that when you say sport, what, what sports are, are popular growing up in Australia? So, I mean, my parents kind of threw me in everything. And I also had an older brother. So like, you know, and, and also my dad that played, well, both my parents were so active, like, mom plays golf and tennis and dad played football and, and golf and, um, was very big into football in his age and like even played football right up till he was 65. Um, oh, wow. but it was more like flag touch football by that age. You're not tackling, but oh, I, so I even football, did... not, not like soccer football. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So I gotta always say it's like rugby, like rugby okay. football. So and he soccer. preferred, he preferred football over rugby. Cause I know rugby is big out there too. Right rugby so when i yeah. say football he did rugby oh, rugby oh. league growing up man so he was a rugby player <laughs> got it okay okay so, understood well see yeah. culture you learn something new every culture. day right you yeah, guys we call say, rugby oh, football the footy. yeah <laughs> the footy. we like always say we're going down to footy and so yeah soccer is obviously around we call it soccer but well yeah the regular term should be football so my dad did rugby growing up um and and i yeah i got through into everything so i did gosh, um, beach volleyball, netball, which is kind of like a girl's version of basketball. Um, mm. I did touch football when I was younger. I did um, dancing and swimming and just everything. Um, so I I really was a very sporty kid and same with my brother. So I think we just, you know, we had the athletic genes from our parents. I love it. Yeah. I love all the, uh, what you call, so you call it footy and what'd you call the basketball one? Netball. Netball. So it's like, netball we wear like you wear skirts and like actually dresses it's now turned into dresses but when i was younger it was like a t-shirt and or like tank top and skirts and little bibs uh -huh. um and you have positions there's like center goal attack and positions on the field so it's kind of like basketball but you don't dribble you just like pass it interesting i, yeah, I gotta I look to, that like, up <laughs> i've got to show you some photos i came by when i was home recently i came by some photos of me playing netball like I was an A grade netballer and so it's all these like photos that I have in like the albums of me playing so it's pretty funny did you play football on. or rugby so I ended up playing um like a well I actually played like American football at one stage oh um, wow yeah when I was like 23 I got into this women's league um they called it like gridiron and um so I was like training and tackling chicks <laughs> was this in um, Australia or America? This was in Australia. Interesting. And you yeah. were hitting people. So I went, mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I would yeah. love to see that. <laughs> I know. I wish, I feel like I have, I definitely have photos of me like doing drills, like on the field. Like, yeah. I remember we'd go every Sunday would be like training day and I would like be covered in like dirt and I would get an, a bag of ice on the way home, chuck it in the tub and just sit in that like ice bath. Cause I would be like, so sore and wake Amazing. up. Amazing. Versatile. You know. So more, <laughs> more about Australian culture. And it's kind of fun for me. I'm a big coffee guy and it wasn't until mm -hmm. I moved to New York, I really got to experience a hint of like Australian coffee and that kind of, I know like all, all my Aussie people that listen to this, like I know Bluestone isn't even a legit one, but like I experienced Bluestone and um, a friend of mine who is from Australia, who was a boxing coach too. Um, he was like ordering flat whites. And I was like, Oh, is, what is that? And what, like Australian coffee or American coffee was better. Australian coffee all the way. <laughs> and definitely flat whites. Even here, I still ask for a flat white. Some people don't know like what I'm asking for and, even when you try and explain it, sometimes it doesn't come out the way you want, but definitely <laughs> Australian coffee. I always go home and enjoy my coffee. Every Australia, day. So a flat white, is that the go-to for, for most people? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it, it depends. Like my brother's a cap guy or like, um, I think in Australia, we really go off the foam. So like uh -huh. cappuccinos have a lot of foam and they put a bit of chocolate on top. They sprinkle chocolate. So that's a cappuccino. 
And then a flat white is like no foam and a latte is like an inch of foam. So it's all about the foam rather than like the cup size. Really. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think I you love... just can't go wrong with a flat white here because then it's like you don't get too much milk. It's kind of like a cappuccino. Almost I'm dying for the, like for, for the day I get to come to Australia and get a real cup of Australian like coffee. Yeah. I, well, I, it's, I cannot it's wait. in the book at some point. <laughs> yeah. There's some sort of you know, boxing tour out there. There's, you know, community waiting for you, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so, um, sport wise, you played almost everything. What was your, what was your favorite? Um, favorite. I feel like I, I loved a lot of it. And I think swimming, I was really naturally good at, like I was a national swimmer. Oh, I went wow. to nationals with swimming. So I was so little, like I was a little <clears throat> girl off the blocks, but I would like be so fast. Um, like at 50 meters, that was like my best 50 meter freestyle was my best. Um, so I think I just got more into swimming because, you know, obviously I was excelling at it and I was doing swim squad all the time. But then at the stage when like I had to get up at 4am and I was like, what, a 10 year old kid. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, eating my banana at 4am going to swim squad every morning, didn't love it as enough to like really stick with it. Mm -hmm. So I think that was when I kind of. Well, that was at a stage when I think I chose my dancing over sport because mm. I was really loving ballet at the time. And I was transitioning from primary to high school, which I think is the equivalent. I could be wrong, but elementary to middle school, maybe. Okay. I was like 11 or 12. Um, so, yeah, so, it's yeah, middle school. Swimming. Yeah, middle school. Yeah, yeah, middle school. And you so call it primary. The best. Primary school. Yeah, we have yeah. two. It's like um, K to six and then six to 12. It's either primary school or high school. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, for you're giving me a history lesson and cultural lesson right now. So <laughs> I, I, I love learning all these the little things and 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 how you call call it differently. So you went mm-hmm. from from swimming to dance, going into yeah, middle school. Like I was still, um, I started dancing at four years old. I did like jazz, tap, and ballet. I didn't love tap, so I just stuck with jazz and ballet. And so I like dancing. I love sport. I loved. And I think, yeah, like I said, I got to that age. Mom was kind of like, well, you can't do it all. You don't have enough hours in an afternoon after school. You have to choose one. And I chose ballet. Mm. Oh, I dance, but I really was like getting into my ballet then. Um, yeah. And you took it pretty seriously, huh? Yeah, very seriously. Like the dance school was like up the road from me. My teacher was in the Australian ballet and I just soaked it in like I just loved it um and did it probably three hours every afternoon I was dancing or any chance I was Gee, at the three hours day. after school you go mm-hmm. you go into three hours of just obsessive yeah. well what what made you obsessive over it, it, it and, and love um, it so much I think I mean I was I mean I was a very high achieving kid like growing up like I said I did sport and I got thrown into every sport um and did you know pretty well at anything that I was doing and even schooling. I was good at school, had good grades. So I think like, I, I don't know. Um, hang on, sorry. I'll say the question again. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Oh, just how you, how you fell in love with dance so much and, and, um, and became obsessive over it. Yeah. So I think I, I don't know. I just, you you just like watch, I mean, I would watch even like ballets or watch it and just think it's so beautiful. And um, I would just like love, I just love music as well. So I think as mm-hmm. a kid, I would put on performances for my parents and um, family friends would come over and I'd be doing dances and singing. singing and I think I just loved the art of like performing. Um, so I think that's how I kind of really got into it. And with ballet, I think, the obsessiveness that I had came because I, you know, I was a bit of a perfectionist growing up, getting good grades, getting, being good at you, school. I would and, never think you're a perfectionist when we train. <laughs> <laughs> no, you Attention and I both. to detail always. Yeah, you and I both. Um, you and I both. So, so, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously that's good and bad, right? Like there's a discipline in ballet. And I think with me, it just kind of, it definitely went down a, a tough path um with that and and you know my perfectionism perfectionism really came out strong with ballet um 
not in like the best way because obviously when you're that all um young and having that sense of I don't know just like this I like unrealistic view or just like constantly trying to you know improve but like in in not a healthy way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we'll go into that in in, in these later questions that have lined up for you but mm -hmm. just to paint the context in the picture for everyone like so you took dance really seriously so you ended up in LA dancing for the Clippers um how is that how is that why you came to to LA or did you just come across that gig how did you end up on the west coast and how did you end up a Clippers dancer so um I guess rewind to like obviously when I was younger I was chose dance and I had a dance career up until I was about like 21 um and at that age I had traveled I'd gone to Miami and New York um to ballet schools and different schools Mm. so I'd experienced like dance overseas and kind of realized there's more opportunity overseas um like I went to LA when I was 21 and I just I didn't like connect with it then and I thought I don't want to leave Australia I think my dance career is kind of done so I closed the chapter on my dance career when I was 21 and I was just dancing at like football uh, rugby games I was a cheerleader um at the rugby league for a decade like I did it for nine or ten years um, so that was like my hobby on a weekend. Uh, obviously, there were still rehearsals and things involved. Um, and I also danced for the basketball too there, the Sydney Kings. So, yeah, it was like more of a hobby and fitness took the forefront for me. And I had, I went back to school, studied fitness, had my own business. Then when I was 26, I went on a holiday or a vacation. And it just so lined up that the Clippers audition was on. And I don't know, I went along for fun. Like it was kind of like, I was only there on a holiday for a short time. It wasn't like I'm going to, this is what I, you know, dreamed of either. Uh-huh. But like, it's always been in the back of my mind. I think I would do vision boards as a kid. I would have like a thing of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader or something. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe yeah. one day. But like, I, it was kind of in my subconscious and never really like, I'm moving to LA. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, like I said, I've been there before and hadn't vibed with it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I went, I went there, rocked up to the audition as an Australian, didn't have a visa, didn't have a plan. Like my plan was going to Mexico with my girlfriends. Um, and then I got the job because it was like 10 girls that got it that year. Damn. Out of how and many? Was, do you know how many auditioned? I mean, there was a lot of girls. Like, yeah, I remember sure. just like girls wrapped around the building. So like numbers, I don't really know. It was a weekend of auditions. So being one of 10, I was like, well, I can't knock back this opportunity. Like I'm... I'm going to stay and like Mm -hmm. experience this. Like I, I thought it was just going to be one year, one year experience and I'd be back to Australia. (laughs) Wow. So you didn't even vibe with LA at all. You're 26 years old, kind of gave up dancing on a, on a elite or high level. And you were starting Mm -hmm. to get more into fitness. You, you started building Mm -hmm. a business around that. And then um, you were, you visiting LA again, you know, little vacation and you just so happened to come across a, LA Clippers audition. I'm sure thousands mm-hmm. auditioned for that. I mean, everybody wants to be a part yeah. of, of that. If you're, if you are a dancer, want to be a performer on those stages, you, you're going to seek mm-hmm. out these professional teams to do it with and you got it. <laughs> and so you ended <laughs> yeah. up moving to LA. Then I moved to LA and it was like, you know, a bit of a process. Like I had to get an immigration lawyer. It wasn't just like, all right. But um, I think it took like eight weeks. I like expedited it, got my visa and she, I told her, I was like, can I just get like one year? And she's like, no, we're going to go for three years. So then I so got a three year visa. you did it for three visa. years? Well, I or did the visa, Clippers for two seasons. Yeah, my got visa it, was it. three years. So it allowed me to get two seasons in. So I really experienced it as a rookie and a vet. And I feel like, you know, I was in my late 20s and it wasn't a career move or career, you know, like I think it was more of an experience for me at that age. And I just mm-hmm. spent those couple of seasons and really – um, fulfilled everything and was ready to walk away after the, the two did, years. Did you like it? Was it what it lived up to? Yeah, no, I loved it. Like, I mean, performing at the Staples Center. I mean, now it's yeah. called something else, but the crypto, Staples Center, yeah. crypto, um, was just like, uh, like, I don't know, just euphoric for me. Like as a dancer, like I was getting exposed to these choreographers that like a girl from Australia, like I was, you know, yes, you could take these dance classes at like, millennium studios or places in LA and um but yeah like I was getting like you know these 
like up close and personal with these choreographers and you know because there's only 20 of us girls so mm-hmm. in this room and like really soaking up all the knowledge and skills and um challenging myself as a dancer because we would do you know mainly like hip-hop and commercial dance but we would do latin dancing and like you know clippers were really great and diverse like that so i feel like i really grew as a dancer mm-hmm. um so like not only that you know obviously growing as a dancer but just yeah the performing aspect in front of all those people like that was just like a huge scale for me like i would dance at the uh, the rugby um in australia and i i mean i i don't know numbers and play like yeah there's thousands of people that rock up to those games like but nothing like an nba game but nothing yeah like the finals at nba that um, i performed at the nba all-stars and that oh no way i didn't know that oh i'm sure that what a great experience that was and that's a huge change from you you went from australia Mm -hmm. never wanting to really leave loving that like homebody lifestyle living on the beach you know, you're building your fitness business, you're, you're being healthy, you're, you're, you're enjoying that Australian culture. And then you completely change over, you come over to LA, you start dancing for the Clippers on a, you know, high level. Was okay. it, um, did you, was that the only thing you did during that time? Were you working other, other stuff as well? Cause I know you made a transition into fitness after, right? Tell me what you're yeah. doing during and then what you did after and how you transitioned into the so- fitness. At the Clippers, like I, I had a pretty strict visa. Like my visa was linked to my dancing, um, and I could mm. only dance and be a performer. So I had an agent. Like I would do gigs, you know, and and auditions. So I was kind of like it came full circle. Like I went back to being like a professional dancer again, um, and it was it was a hustle for sure. Like I that that's what I lived and breathed, and. Um, Gosh, I even, yeah, I did samba Brazilian dancing. So I would dance at weddings and, um, oh, wow. you know, go to auditions and cattle calls and, um, with like some really cool opportunities came up with that. And so I feel like I was very busy, like, and even mm-hmm. Clippers took up so much time. Like, you know, they say it's a part-time gig, but I mean, you could have three home games in one week. So that's oh, three, wow. um, you know, long game days in the week. Then you have your rehearsals on top of that in the evenings. So it was, it was, um, and especially like certain periods, like there was, yeah, just no breaks. Like, I mean, the NBA All-Stars, it was like weeks um, pre- mm. prepping for that. So sometimes that was kind of like a full-time, full-time gig. So there wasn't heaps of time for um, other pursuits, but I definitely still, um, yeah, did other dance gigs and, and things. And um, trying to think of like cool opportunities I did, but. Yeah, like I did a commercial and things and dance with, oh, who's the comedian? Like there was two of them. The funny guy from The Hangover. I don't know his oh, name, but like, anyway, just like all funny, full fun gigs. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's the, awesome. The uh, Asian guy. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love, I love that dude. I, I love that yeah. movie. <laughs> mm-hmm, the best. Um, so, so, yeah. Okay. No. Let, let, let's stay on the topic of, of dancing and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, that's a huge thing to, to find fulfillment in. That's a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. right there. Dancing for the Clippers, dancing at the NBA All-Star Game. You, you know, expressed to me and, and what I wanted to bring up in this conversation today about dancing is some of the things that you had overcome in, as a child, you know, and, and body image and, and going through those tough times as a dancer. Let's, let's, talk about that like what what happened that that kind of like stretched you farther than you than you wanted to go when it came to that yeah well I was I'm trying to think so in that transition I was probably like 11 um you know really into my ballet and I think I just you know it's not even like external pressures I like had it's more like the pressures I felt on myself like to be perfect to be you know, all these things. Um, and I feel like I just took that to the next level of just like having like obsessive compulsive disorder with, uh, with exercise, with ballet. Like if I wasn't at ballet, I would be doing laps in the pool. I'd be going for a run. I'd be stretching in the middle of like in bed in sleep and things like that. So I think it just, you know, it became this control thing and it just overtook my life a little bit. So like, you know, I was a very um, lean, small build, like super petite, muscly. I feel like in 
pounds, I was probably like, gosh, I didn't really know, maybe 70 pounds, like 32, wow. 33, 33 uh-huh. kilos. But that was normal. Like that was me healthy. Uh-huh. Um, and then I lost about, um, well, probably about six to eight kilos, which is close to like 12 pounds on that mm-hmm. small frame. Mm-hmm. So that was slowly peeling off me as I was doing all this stuff. And so like my mom and dad didn't know what was going on. Cause like, I don't know, they would obviously see that I am exercising and moving a lot, but I'm just like a kid. And, um, I was still eating and everything. And I was always a healthy kid and like opted for fruit and things like that. So like nothing too out of the ordinary. Like I would go to doctors and mom would be like, why is she losing weight? And like, we, you know, we can't figure it out. And they would do tests and like nothing was coming up. Um, and we saw so many different doctors and it wasn't until this one doctor diagnosed me on the spot. They're like, she has anorexia and she needs to go to hospital. Cause I was, mm. you know, 26 kilos or something just like so insane. Um, and I was 12 years old when I oh. got to hospital. So like I'm 12, like obviously, like I didn't know, really know what I was doing. Like, like I didn't have the tools and the things to really like, like help at that point either like help myself or even just have awareness of what was going on um so I got thrown into hospital I was on like I had a tube down my nose I had a heart rate monitor on because like when you're anorexic like your heart rate's like really um slow and like that's worrisome obviously like Mm -hmm. you know cardiac arrest or whatever and um so I was in hospital for like 10 to 12 weeks um, wow, that's, then, that's a long time. A long time. So then I, there was a lot of other girls. So we were in a ward in the hospital, and so I was. There was a group of us, like you know, anorexic girls and boys. I remember that you know it was more so on the girls, but like I, there was a boy one time when I was in hospital. Like that's obviously like girls and boys that go through this, and obviously males and females when you get to like you know people struggle with this through the whole spectrum. It's not just young, young kids and things, but, um, so, but I was at a children's hospital. So I was there and getting looked after. And then I think I picked up like a lot of bad habits in the hospital. So I developed more like anorexia traits, like mm. of just like dieting and controlling my food. And so I relapsed a bunch of times. So in a span of like two years, I spent like 52 weeks in hospital. Wow. So, so that was my year. teenage years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was over like from 12 to 14 was like the thick of it. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 15 that I really missed like dancing. I missed being around my friends or just like a normal teenage life. Like I wanted to be a normal teenager. And obviously I was living out of hospital. Um, and so I kind of made the decision. And then once you like, and I also had some help along the way. Like I had a psychiatrist or I think it was really this one psychiatrist that I saw out of hospital that helped me because there was a bunch in hospital, but they would kind of look at me like, you know, they would try to find answers or like know why I was doing it. Right. Like I didn't have trauma from my early childhood. It was like literally just probably, yeah, my personality trait and dance and all these things. And like, Mm -hmm. um, didn't know how to, yeah. Like, I guess not control, but like didn't know how to, um, yeah, cope with this perfectionism that I had. Yeah, I mean that, and and kids are so influential. I look at my mm-hmm. kids now. You know, Theo's going to be four in a few months. Mm-hmm. Emmy even is watching everything he does, and she picks up on it. So as a young girl, you want to, you know, be the best dancer you could possibly be. So I'm sure you're looking up to other great dancers, and other great dancers will have certain physical traits, and that mm-hmm. influences you to really, really want to pursue that and at a as a competitor as you are as i know you are and especially even at a young age your competitors is you want to seek more and more of that but again it could get yeah. misconstrued it could you could be it could be taken the wrong way and turn you go down even a darker path chasing <laughs> something so pure and great but it it, it, it yeah. turns into something else for you and right. that's how you that's how you overcame it so this this is happening yeah. 12, 11 12 years old and then in mm-hmm. 15, you're like, I can't even do this anymore. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, almost like a switch of just like, you know, I've had enough, right? Like, because you, you go through the emotions of just like, I even had, you know, I'm so guilty about it too. Like as a kid, like I felt enormous, just like, well, I was lost and I was 
felt guilty because I was affecting my whole family. Um, and like, and obviously it's a mental illness and I'm in the hospital with other sick kids that have no choice. Like, you know, so I just like had this guilt and even like a lot of, like I had friends in this Ronald McDonald house and they would have cancer, like kids with cancer. Mm. One of my friends passed away and like all these things are happening and like, and just, you know, and I, I just beat myself up a little bit. Cause I'm like, gosh, like why can't I get better? Like I'm doing this to myself and you know, but it would just still keep you in that cycle of just like guilt and shame and just like, you know, not feeling worthy and all those things until, you know, yes, you make the decision. You obviously have the help around you and, and like, I just, I wanted to get better. So I did all the right things and, it was still a journey and a process because it took a while to put on the weight because I was so petite to mm -hmm. begin with. Um, and, and yeah, even, and then, you know, I still got the last couple of years of high school and really, you know, had my teenage years then. And um, yeah, and I probably still had a little bit of like fear around food or whatever, but I definitely like grew out of that mm -hmm. and kind of came out the other side where I was like, you know, ed educating myself now on like real health and real wellness and what that means and how to live that life and how to help others live that life because of obviously what I've been through. Like I remember in hospital, I was looking at the dietitians going like, I want to be that or I want to help other people, like even while I was sick, because you know I knew I wanted to like get to the other side to impact and help others. Yeah, you're experiencing the positive impact they're trying to enforce onto you and, and yeah. influence you with that you're like, man, this could be super helpful if I do this, do this for mm -hmm. others. Was there any specific moment that you could remember where you were like snapped out of it and was like, I can't do this anymore? Was there, or it but kind I of mean, was just gradual? I think there was like this, like, you know, instant where I was just like, I've had enough. And mm -hmm. I, do, I don't recall like really the whole, like it does, Feel like a blur in another lifetime almost mm -hmm. going through of course that. of course um so i just i just remember i was like around 15 and uh -huh. um and then like i still even had to go back to hosp hospital with that mindset even mm -hmm. because i was still tr trying to like i was still really underweight and um and hospital was like you know the best thing for me so i went back for like one last admission and um i think with the he healthier healthier mindset and getting the outside help when I left from this one um, therapist or psychiatrist, like really helped me on my journey. Yeah. And so then I want to point out, you just said with when mindset, and I always take it back to mindset, but it's like you made that decision first and then all the actions, you know, it, it was a ripple effect from that. And then the support yeah. system, and that's what truly got you out of it. But it wasn't until you made that choice in your head that was, it, it became you, to a point where you didn't relapse because you, you, you tried yeah. to fix it and you try to do these things and you would relapse, mm -hmm. but it wasn't mm -hmm. until you changed and shifted your mindset, everything yeah. started to, to become better. And so mm -hmm. that's an incredible story. I couldn't imagine as a father, you know, as a parent watching my child go through this because I know how influential kids can be and for them to be stuck in a certain mindset that wasn't like, and the mindset wasn't forced through through trauma. It, it, you were, if anything, you were chasing greatness and something you love, which was dance. Mm -hmm. But it turned into something like this, and that's how the reality works. That's how the world may work sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't imagine, but I mean, that's amazing of you to overcome. But how did you, you know, dance kind of kick this into gear, the anorexia? But you went back to dance, and you dance for the Clippers, it did, did you, were you afraid that it, that may come back, especially in such a, you know, like that's that role. A lot of it is image and, and, and the cameras, the lights and being in front of thousands of people watching you did that. Were you afraid that I was going to kick back? Um, to be honest, like, no, I think I, I think I obviously moved across country and did that at an age where I definitely was a lot more mature and had seen a lot more growth in, in many ways that I, I didn't have fears around that. And even mm. when, you know, I, I was told to like lose weight even and things like that. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah. I was just kind of like, no, like I'm perfectly healthy and fine. That's you incredible. Know, and just, um, and that obviously goes to show like how much healing that I've done and how much 
growth that I've had from when, you know, I'm obviously going through that at such a young age. Um, mm -hmm. Now I've just like, I feel like I have the awareness and the tools to, to not go down that path again. Yeah. I mean, you, that goes to show how much you truly love yourself and how much work mm -hmm. internally you've d done in those years to go experience anorexia because you wanted to be, um, looked at a certain way as a dancer at a young age mm -hmm. to experience that and to beat that. And then to get put on a higher stage as a dancer, LA Clippers, and they tell you, you need to lose weight for this. You're, and you said, no, like that's like you defeated the final boss right there. That, yeah. That's incredible. Right. The final so, test. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you came up on top and had a great experience with them. So that's even, that's even better. That's, that's a, an amazing yeah. story. And I, I talk about like, you know, self-development and growth a lot. Like, obviously like we both cold plunge, we try to get good sleep, promote a healthy lifestyle through boxing, fitness, whatever. But something I don't speak on as much is how much internal work I do. Um, with myself, whether it's reading, writing, praying, meditating, you know, speaking with a, a therapist or anything like I do a lot of mm -hmm. internal work on myself that I'm very, very prideful of because it's hard work. It's yeah. and, and it makes and like, you so never strong. Stops. Never, never. Yeah. It's like just, work just like our, our physical health. Right. And then our mm -hmm. mental health and our spiritual health, like the internal stuff is just yeah. as important as the physical and and I hope we can inspire other people listening to this to really, mm -hmm. you know, look at your training routine. Yeah, like maybe you do, you know, cycle two or three times a week, strength two or three times a week. Then you get some sleep here, good sleep here and eat well here and drink a gallon of water there. Like, do you take that same energy and do you put it into your internal work? Like that's right. Because you can, you know, do all that and. Like, it's just like, I feel like at an age, like, like I probably was working on the aesthetic of myself, right? Like doing this training for this type of look or, you know, and I just quickly realized that that's not, that's not real health and that's not like real wellness and that wasn't serving me until mm -hmm. like I really adopted like fundamentals and found certain tools and exercise that really like fueled me on the inside and like, especially boxing, like just mm -hmm. mental strength that came from boxing. Um, give me three, give me three of like your top things right now that you need to do to, to keep yourself physically on point, mentally on point, spiritually on point, not even three, just start listing off your go-tos right now. And maybe it'll yeah. inspire others Tough to start doing things. that. Gosh, I feel like I have so many, cause I just geek like me and my boyfriend geek out on so, so many health and wellness yeah. things, but, um, journaling, like I wake up and read like my daily stoic, I journal, and I used to have like a five minute journal, but then I also would have this other journal and just like free handwriting. So mm -hmm. like now I don't do the five minute, I just have like my pages and I, I guess I call them morning pages and I, I still write, you know, three things I'm grateful for. I um, just free write and, or just like whatever comes to mind. I feel like that's just like such a good mind dump in the morning to like set yourself up. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so I feel like, and well, so it, I guess it starts with sleep, getting the right amount of sleep and recovery. Like tra I track my sleep with an aura ring. So like doing that, I take my beam dream, which mm -hmm. is um, sleep supplement. So like mm -hmm. doing that, then then I wake up. So like that sets me up for a good morning. Then I have my morning routine. And lately being like loving cold plunging or even getting a sauna in if I can during the week, um, those things really well the sauna the cold plunge in the morning really invigorates me so oh it's um, the best it's the best yeah. so that's, i'm gonna stop you stop I, you really quick because everything yeah. you said and you're so influential on me court i do all of those things as well so was it so to the <laughs> audience listening right now wasn't core and i started getting close through these sessions and and she put me on to um your boyfriend who owns this incredible company. This is not a sponsored ad, but I will go to the ends of the earth promoting this stuff. It's called Beam and and you literally I literally get the best sleep. I drink the tea like 30 to 45 minutes before I go to bed. Um, it puts me in the most relaxing mood. Um, and, and Annie too, she had sleep problems and she absolutely loves it. And we'll get a good solid eight hours of sleep 
on not disrupted through the night. Like that T is on point. The aura ring you put us on too helps us monitor everything while we sleep down to like, you know, our breathing rate, how much of our sleep was disturbed versus wasn't versus wasn't like that put us on. And even like the journaling you talk about, um, I've never spoken to you with you about this, but I do very something similar and something like putting your feelings out and under will help you understand how you're feeling. When you write down your feelings, you understand how you're feeling a little more in depth. Mm -hmm. And when you understand how you're feeling, you start to understand why you're treating people a certain way. And when you understand why you're treating people a certain way, you start to look at yourself. Why am I treating myself the same way? So something I will always write down every morning, so simple. And I, and I hope others do this too, is I feel blank, whatever I'm feeling and why. So like lately I've been, I've been feeling good. I've been feeling great. I've been feeling a little tired today, but I'm looking forward to these sessions today. Or, um, I slept like shit last night, but I, I have an interview today, a podcast interview, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and just writing down, like sometimes I've written down, look, I'm fucking sad and depressed today because mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. And, and you start yeah. to really understand yourself better and do that internal work. So all four things you mentioned, the sleep, the beam, the journaling, the morning routine. I'm right there with you. Anything cold else? Plunge. You've been on the, the cold what plunge. Street. Yes. What are you on? <laughs> Absolutely. I just did my day 21 um, cold That's plunging amazing. first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, water's been about like 45, 47 degrees. So it's, it's, per, it's, it's just, it's, cold. it's, 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 it's fucking cold, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the most exhilarating, the most difficult thing I'll have to do for the day. And I yeah. love getting it done right away first thing in the morning yeah just being able to compose yourself in you know like uh in that stressful environment you're in a, you get in fight or flight in that first like i guess even like few seconds but then once you breathe through it like mm -hmm. i think it's like so cool that you can just control your breathing and your mind and stay in there like you know obviously keep like i yeah like depends how cold it is i mean i've been doing it in the snow here so it's like we didn't even know the temperature, but it's very, very cold. Yeah. Well, so like, what's the outdoor temperature? You're in Boston right now, right? Yes. In Boston, it's like, I mean, the other day it was like zero degrees Celsius. Jeez. 32. But today is a little warmer. I, I think it's, I don't know, maybe six degrees or definitely under 10 degrees or something. Uh -huh. It's cold for me. Like I'm from Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And you're crushing it. And, and I'll, and you're a great, you know, role model to me when it comes to that stuff. Cause I'm like, Courtney's doing it. I got to do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep checking in with, with y'all and making sure we're all doing it still. I mean, yeah. what other benefits have you experienced from the cold plunging? Um, yeah, just, I mean, just controlling breathing has been one. And, um, I guess circulation too. Like, I mm -hmm. mean, obviously doing it after a long flight, like the other week, I just felt like inflammation kind of, you know, go and, um, I might've said circulation then, but both, <laughs> it, kind yeah. of, it literally does everything. Like I, yeah. like, I think it brings, it boosts my mood and energy in a One way, like, million especially percent. doing it in the morning. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel that's huge. Like, um, like I like to start my morning grounded and all of that. And, um, lately I've been working out and then jumping in and I yeah. like that kind of routine, but yeah. I mean, every, every week, every month, I, I, you know, every season of life that can look different, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I just love it. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, the mood, the, the mindset for me is why I love it. Obviously I love the physical yeah. elements of it too. Like circulation, mm -hmm. inflammation's going down, the soreness mm -hmm. goes away a little easier. You recover better physically, but the yeah. mental element of it is my favorite. And I really, mm -hmm. like they say scientifically proven, like your dopamine goes up 250%, mm -hmm. um, your testosterone goes up 250%, and I feel it, yeah. trust me, like yeah. I feel my energy shooting up, but my, and this is a sell for people for me that I'll say right now. So everyone pay attention, especially if you're a parent, I have become so much more patient with my mood and understanding how to deal with the craziness in the morning, getting the kids ready because I'm so locked in and I'm like, yo, mm -hmm. I just jumped in 45 degree cold water and dunked my head in it after three minutes. Like mm -hmm. I'm good. Like, all right, throw your yeah. tantrum, Theo. Then we're yeah. going to get dressed and we're going to go to school. Stay, like calm and sense yeah. and focused and you're just Absolutely. like, yeah, you handle it way better. 
Yeah, that's definitely awesome. my favorite part of, uh, about it. Is there any anything else? I mean, those are some great life altering things that you can do every day and stacked over a long period of time will change you to where someone telling you to lose weight after battling mm-hmm. anorexia doesn't even affect you anymore. Like, right. That, like exactly. those are the, 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 it's the little things over time. Yeah, it always has been. And like, I mean, you know, I probably, I haven't done cold plunge my whole life, but even I've been one to do morning ocean dips and that's still mm-hmm. cold. And that's like, cold too. Just yeah. Being out in nature, getting your feet in the sand, like watching the sunrise is like another form of like, um, mm-hmm. I guess, self care for myself that I've done from a very young age. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it really, it really, it, I'm just speaking, you know, out loud right now. It really is like who you surround yourself with and spending mm-hmm. more time with you and you helping me shape my habits a little better. And even you brought it up right now, nature. So mm-hmm. um, if you follow me on social, we were, my, Annie and I were in um, Jackson Hole, Wyoming for New Year's and who recommended me to go there? You. <laughs> and it's funny. I have always classified myself as like the city guy. Like I love being in the city. I love like New York. I love the hustle. I love the grind. I like the culture of that. I never thought of myself as a nature guy. I've even got my, my barber, who's a big nature guy. He took me up to the mountains and we had a great time up there. Very relaxing. I'll do it again. But it wasn't until I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where I was like miles and miles of nothing. And you really get to experience like God's earth, like the mountains, the snow, the animals, no one for miles and miles. Like this is what the world was like before humans started building on it. And that, mm-hmm. I've never been in that environment and it was so peaceful and yeah. everything about so it. I love it. brings it. like peace and calm to you. Like obviously that's the same aspect of being in the ocean, right? Like when you're in the middle of the mountains and there's just like such beauty in mother nature. It just like, yeah, you feel that peace and also like, yeah, you just, it's, it's so vast. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's hard to explain if you haven't been to, Wyoming and those places, but there's, I mean, there's so many places like that around the world that you have. For sure. And it's, again, it's that nature you talked about and all these things Mm -hmm. that are are life altering and and help you do the internal work on yourself, the journaling, the cold Mm -hmm. plunging, the getting good sleep, the being in nature, being in sunlight, like it changes your life and it's free and you can do it literally right after you listen to this podcast. You can do this as you're walking outside through a park right. or, or on the beach, listening yeah. to this, like you yes. could really shape your life by being surrounded by people who do these kind of things and, mm-hmm. and, and pursuing, you know, these habits. Yeah. Yeah. It's accessible to, you know, everyone. And like you said, it's all about your circle and your environment. And obviously like, you know, if you're trying to build these habits, but you're around people that, you know, are doing the opposite or staying up late that don't prioritize sleep that, you know, drink a lot or whatever that looks like. It's, it's like, it's really hard to stick to that habit if, if mm-hmm. your environment is the opposite. Yeah. Something that even just comes into mind now. And, and I talked about Wyoming and being a city mm-hmm. guy is like, we get so caught up on habits and identities. Like, I'm only, I'm supposed to be this. I like this. I, I can only be this. I can only be a New York guy. I can only be, you yeah. know, a city guy who loves the hustle. No, I could like both. Like, why can't yeah. I like being in nature too? And, and, yeah. and shit, man, I may even buy a cowboy hat. <laughs> I did last time I was in Jackson. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yo, like there's nothing wrong with it. Like you genuinely love it and you start yeah. to immerse yourself in that culture. You're like, why can't yeah. I embrace it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can be multifaceted or, you know, yeah. just appreciate all the diversity. Yeah. Fuck around. Yo, <laughs> to the audience, next time you see me in Jackson, you see me in cowboy boots and a, and a hat riding a horse. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I, I, I definitely love, love being there and, and going to be there more. Yeah. We just booked another trip there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, not not to try to go from one tough trial you had overcome, but to another, like the last year, you know, where was mm-hmm. extremely difficult for you, even the years before that. But you had, mm-hmm. you had recently, you know, your your father had passed. You talk about how close you are with your family. 
um, how, you know, growing up with that, like, how did you overcome and, and, and get back to life and get back to you and, and your ambitious, energetic, positive self? Like how you do a lot of internal work, but regardless, that's still a tough, tough thing to experience. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm still a work in progress. Obviously, mm-hmm. like, I think it's been a year and that's, you know, still quite, it can feel quite fresh on certain days. For and, sure. You know, you can be fine one day and then something sets you off and triggers you and then, you know, you're gone, like you're just in tears. But I feel like, I mean, my, my worst nightmare kind of came true. And like, I feel like I survived or, you know, am surviving the worst thing, like hands mm-hmm. down that will happen in my life. Like, oh, I don't want to tear off. I just feel like my top. No, lip- that's okay. <laughs> that though, that's um, absolutely okay. Yeah. I mean, my dad was like my North star. Like he was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was definitely daddy's girl and we had a very special bond as like a daughter and a dad. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to him for everything. I think we spoke every day. You know, no matter if I was in LA, would be FaceTiming. And I think, you know, ha- like, I mean, my dad is just the most incredible guy. And like, there's so many people that will attest to that. And that like stood up at his funeral that sent us, you know, um, messages and things. But he was like a mentor to other people. He had the most positive mindset. That you, you know, like, he got diagnosed mm. with cancer when he was, um, I'm trying to think what age, but it was like 16 years before he passed. Oh, wow. So like, yeah, around when he was like 50. And he was like, and the doctor said he had 10 years to live. And he was like, you know, that's what all he wanted to know. He didn't want to know anything else. He was just like, how many years have I got, Doc? And he said, you know, maybe about 10 years. And he's like, you beauty, I've got 10 years. Like, I'm going to celebrate. Like, called out my mom and said, get your best bottle of wine out. Like, you know. Cause my mom was like, what's, what happened? Like, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and so he was like, I'm lucky to have like this cancer. Like I'm blessed, like to have, mm. this, you know, like all this time. So like he kind of, and he even did before that, like he's lived his life just so like to its fullest surrounded by like people, but just like good people. And he would mentor other people and just have this like wisdom on life. That was just, infe- you know, and an infectious personality smile, like everything. Um, even someone that worked for him, like gave him this book Tuesdays with Molly. And it's like a book about like a young boy that was a student and there was like a professor and the lessons that the professor, like life lessons taught mm-hmm. to this boy. And it was about the older man like dying. So it's kind of like a really sad story, but I read that by his hospital bed in these last moments when I got the call like, cause my dad had cancer, but then he got diagnosed with melanoma. So he mm. went downhill very quickly from that diagnosis. He, it was only six weeks that he had to live. So I was reading this book, like by his bedside, like, you know, the worst thing seeing anyone suffer in those ways that I saw my dad. Um, but it's like, I feel like I have his spirit in me. And um, I know that might sound really spiritual and things, but like even reading this book and just like knowing that, like, these lessons that I've got from him and um like I'm just I feel blessed to have like those years with my dad like I've had yeah I had 33 years with my dad and um I just feel like yeah that I I have to like live on his legacy and be like I obviously that you're gonna have your tough days like you can't always be positive and you know and and that's when I have the people around me I lean on my boyfriend my family um and I'm so blessed to have like, and I think it's also made me tighten my circle even more because like, I just know how fleeting life is and just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you just like cut the crap and you hone in on what's really important. Um, and life, it really is beautiful if you make it. So like, I think I've just had that, that in the back of my mind, like obviously getting through that in the first month or two, it's just like, just get through the day, just get through the day. And obviously that just turns into, you know, then a year has passed and I can, you know, get through without crying. And like, I wasn't able to do that maybe even like yeah. a few months ago. So, well, you got me, you got, you got me in, in tears. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. I mean, honestly, you're, 
father is incredible because you talk about legacy and, and now you're passing on his legacy on what and the lessons and the energy and the positivity that he's instilled in you. I feel that if anything, your, your dad's influenced me as a dad, because if I could have a beautiful relationship with my daughter, see, now you're getting me going too. If I could have a relationship like you and your dad had with my daughter, like that gives me such hope and things and the impact yeah. that he can have on you. So thank you for sharing. And I, I mean, I mean, I, I was watching Yellowstone the other night and like John <laughs> said this quote and it like hit me hard and I, I, I'm probably butchering it, but it said, you know, um, God gave you this suffering or like God gave you the tragedies so that you could overcome it to then pass it on to, you know, the next mm-hmm. life that's going to suffer. So like, you know, I feel like that's, yeah, like where my like spirit comes from, where I can, yeah, obviously influence and just like, you know, that relationship I had will live through me. And, mm-hmm. and obviously if anyone else in my life or anyone out there that goes through a loss like I have, like it's like you, you know, I have full empathy with, with those people and, and maybe I can help them. Like it's just, you know, by being vulnerable, by um, knowing that you're not alone. Mm. yeah wow thank you for being vulnerable and and sharing that Uh, i mean we we were texting earlier and and you were like full i was like anything you don't want me to talk about and you were like no i want to be vulnerable i want to put it out there and i said vulnerability is a superpower like not everyone can just be vulnerable especially to the thousands that'll listen to this like Mm -hmm. i mean thank you for 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 sharing that sharing that with us i mean you're an inspiration to me you've influenced me significantly to change my life for the better not just in the whole grand scheme of things but down to the little details of like how am i getting good sleep am i drinking this good tea am i getting my eight hours and am i monitoring it properly through um the proper hardware and then like what am i doing in the mornings the cold plunging the journaling the the you're you're you live in your life the way you are, the way your dad wanted you to live is inspiring so many people, including myself. And I hope that trickles on to, to the audience. And I really appreciate you for, for sharing that. It's, it's so fresh and, and not everyone will want to speak about it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate you for obviously, you know, always a safe space. Like obviously even going through it, like I've, I've seen you through it, right? Mm-hmm. The highs and lows, and and you've coached me. You know, obviously, we, we, you know, be all about boxing and the hour that we're boxing. But then, obviously, we also have a beautiful friendship. And I just think, obviously, the boxing component has been so impactful for me. So, like, mm-hmm. you've inspired me from the beginning, even on days early days of Rumble, being someone that I looked up to in that aspect and the life lessons that box, boxing has taught me that you've taught me. So you're part of that circle. So I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. We'll have to, we'll have to plan a, a Wyoming trip or something soon, and, and yeah. go into our go into our little cowboy cowgirl characters and mm-hmm. and 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 do the yellow and do like thing cold plunges. Maybe we can do cold plunges in the like lakes there. Yo, if if you do it, because I know you're gonna go soon too before me again. If you do mm-hmm. it and find a place, please let me know, and I'll do it too there. Okay, a polo uh, plunge. I will. Uh, Oh, for sure. We got to do it for sure. <laughs> I mean, and it's cool. I, I love the diversity in, in, in this podcast and all the different amazing people I've come across in the boxing world. Like I always say like this podcast and these conversations is like, yeah, we can talk about boxing and some of them will talk more about mm-hmm. boxing than others. But like you mm-hmm. really get to understand the people behind boxing and the people yeah. who, who really enjoy it. Cause you trained, a lot. You trained very consistent with me. You got not got, but you you got really good, and will continue to get good with it. Um, wherever you train, wherever you go, because I know you you'll, you're going to be living in Florida now and everything too. So we won't see each other as much. But boxing. How did you find your love for that? Like, give me that little boxing nugget for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, we have to talk about boxing. Yeah, just um, a little bit. I mean, we we talked some incredible incredible things today. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I learned, quote unquote, learned boxing 10 years back when I was studying fitness. I think I did a course, right? It was like a very quick course, but 
I mean, you, I don't know how it is now, but like, I just remember it was like, you know, stand with your feet apart and just punch. It was nothing mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know, what I learned years to come. So like, I, you know, kind of had box, like boxing as a little interest, um, being like in the fitness industry, personal training clients, but I was never like a boxing instructor. And it wasn't until um, the opportunity at Rumble came up when I left the Clippers that I took the Rumble class. I think they, I I just wanted to get in the fitness industry and then Rumble Mm -hmm. popped up. I ended up having like an interview and being on the next plane to New York. And then I was in New York for a weekend and took the class and I just was hooked and obsessed with that. Like, I mean, I had never seen anything like it. Like group fitness isn't big in Australia. This was just like, like I hadn't really been to like Soul Cycle, any of the other, you know, classes out there. So just the lights, the music, the boxing and hitting the bag, I just looked, was like, wow, I, I loved it. And I got hired. I think they just saw potential in me because I obviously wasn't a boxer. Um, I was a, you know, fitness trainer um, and, you know, dancer. And I, I had a long road to like, you know, I obviously wanted to practice what I preach. I didn't want to get up on that stage and not be able to box. So um, I really took my boxing seriously and, you know, was coached by some of the best people and um, to then, you know, share my love and uh, for everything like in that room, like the boxing, that obviously fitness and um, that encompassed everything. And I think when I really, doubled down on my boxing and did like one-on-ones with you I just I I really fell in love with the art form and obviously probably my perfectionist mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know wanting to really get the details down but like I felt I feel like it's like you find your flow with it right it's kind of like dance like when I would dance you kind of like out of your head and you're just moving through your body and it's it's the same with boxing like when you find that flow with a coach or whatever you just like I get that same like rush of of energy and obviously you feel empowered and strong and all these things come from boxing. But, um, yeah, I just, I love finding that flow and getting, you know, in that sync with, with your coach or whether it's hitting the bag and in the rumble room. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because you fell in love with dance and and I say this Mm -hmm. all the time, like dancers make some of the best boxers that I've worked with because you understand how to make your body move a certain way. So those Mm -hmm. for, for the people that really have uh, tried boxing, especially if you're a beginner, like you understand, like you can't just throw a punch a certain way. Like you have to train Mm -hmm. your body to move a way like that. But I feel like with dancers, they know they have shifted their body in so many different Mm -hmm. directions and movements and ways that they understand how to replicate a certain movement. They could almost watch somebody do something and be able to Mm -hmm. execute that move just from watching. It's something like a highly athletic person could do, but more so dancers. Imagine an athletic dancer then. They Mm -hmm. could just like pick it up that much quicker and and which which you did. And, And you really took the time to, you know, you drive out an hour to come see me at my home studio and, and we'd really, really peel things back and, and, and get mm-hmm. to that hardcore traditional authentic boxing training and the, mm-hmm. your progress shown from it. So I, I, I'm sure people have seen clips of you boxing with me. I'll, I'll continue to showcase them, but your boxing got really good and will continue to get good. And you know, yeah. to wrap up this incredible conversation, like what's one thing boxing's taught you that, that, that you think will benefit others? I mean, I feel like boxing has so many different life lessons and mm-hmm. things that it parallels with, like, you know, discipline, resiliency. And I feel like I've, you know, obviously through a lot of things in my life, I've developed those kind of characteristics, but I feel like with boxing more than anything, like it's taught me, like you can become your best at your worst, um, mm. you know, like that's when, good. Yeah. Like when you are struggling, like when you're going through a tough time or like, yeah, you, you want to give up whatever. And you just push through like one more, like one, you know, it's like in our sessions, we would, we would have an hour long doing drills, combinations, get on the mitts and then on the heavy bag and, and just like the mindset to just keep going and keep pushing and almost like, focus on your breathing more, like tap into like your inner self, like even more to just get through like that exhaustion or whatever. I feel like that's, that's where you find progress and growth. And it's the same in life. Like 
when I, you know, obviously go through something like a tough time, like mm -hmm. you think you can't like get through this, but then when you get to the other side, like, yeah, it's just, you, you look back and you've grown so much. Um, so it's just like not fearing, fearing being, you know, being your worst because like mm -hmm. on the other side, you can really yeah. take that and be your best. That's such a great parallel. It's like those moments when you're boxing and I'm, or I'm coaching somebody um, and, and, and they're having a really difficult time progressing and getting it down. Mm -hmm. As long as they keep holding on and keep working on it and keep drilling it, eventually mm -hmm. they overcome that not being able to get the move down or the rhythm down mm -hmm. or the combination down. They eventually get it. In turn, yeah. they become really bad at something and they become their best at it. Like you go mm -hmm. from being the worst at something to being yeah. finding your best. So that is a great, yeah. great parallel to that. Like if you are, you know, going through shit and, and, and boxing will teach you to just keep holding on and keep working on and keep trying it and you will find your best self after mm -hmm. you overcome that. Yeah. So. yeah, so true. And yeah, like I feel like even like looking at the hard times or whatever I've gone through and maybe we'll continue, of course, like there's always going to be hard times and challenges down the road, but it's like, I, you know, you keep then you use that and like you, you like you just keep bettering yourself and, mm -hmm. and like that's if you keep showing up, right. It's like even what we yeah. spoke about before, like all the tools and things to just bring myself back to, to looking after me and making sure like, you know, I'm emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, like, you know, strong and, and grounded and all those things to, to be my best. Mm -hmm. so. you, you if you hang on and overcome the tough chapters and trials you will find your best self on the other side of those things what a mm -hmm. great way to end, end the conversation <laughs> you know from from an incredible story sharing the australian culture with us growing up overcoming anorexia and being challenged with those same thoughts as you became a dancer for the clippers and overcoming that overcoming the the passing of of your superhero you know your north star and to continue to do the things the work on yourself to find your best self so you can inspire others around you i mean lastly my yesterday mentality right elevating yourself so we can elevate those around you court thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with us and and everything what an incredible conversation how do people stay connected with you um very easy on instagram at courtney watts so that's mm. my full name and that's probably the best place i mean i'm yeah. dabbling in tiktok but let's you yeah. know let's, I, I, i'll be, be liking your stuff it comes up on my for you page <laughs> oh i think you cut out a little bit oh i'm back oh you're back anyways yeah follow you on tiktok too i like your tiktoks as well <laughs> yes getting better oh. in them it's a new space. <laughs> I appreciate you so much, Court. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me.